We praise you, Lord. You're deserving of it. You're worthy of it. Amen. He is worthy of praise. We serve a great God. And I am glad to be a part of his kingdom. I'm glad to be a part of his family. How many just loves knowing who God is? Brother Holligan asked me this morning, he said, are you teaching? I said, I'm going to sure try to. I haven't had a voice in about seven days, so I'm going to try my best to, to do that today. So, Amen. In our world, um, power and prestige is important. In our world, titles are important. Um, However many initials you have after your name are important. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with degrees. There's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with the title. But that seems to be what our world focuses on. In 2020, which was three years ago, all of the candidates combined who were running for president of the United States spent a combined total of $5.6 billion dollars simply to run to be president of the United States. In fact, the record was set three years ago. One particular candidate spent over $1 billion just to be elected to an office that pays $400,000 a year plus expenses. Uh, You get to live in a big fancy house. Um, you have to pay for your own food. Why would people spend over $5 billion for that position? And the answer is very simple. It's because of the power that that position has. It's not because of the paycheck. It's not simply because someday after they leave office, somebody will build a library and stick their papers in it. And people will pay money to come see what the Oval Office looked like and see little letters that they wrote. It's because of the power that the position holds. That's what the world is after. The world is after power above all else. But in the book of Mark chapter 9, the Lord gives us a little different perspective. In Mark 9 and 33, Jesus is writing with his disciples. Now, this is after the great discourse where Jesus talks to his disciples and says, Who do men say that I am? And they tell him, and he says, Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is after that. This is after he's transfigured to Peter, James, and John and shows his glory. This is even after he's come down and healed a demon-possessed boy that his disciples couldn't heal. This is following all of those. It says, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves, by the way? 
What were y'all discussing so intently when we were on our way here? What were y'all arguing about? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. They were kind of sheepish. sheepish. They were like, I, I don't know if I really want to tell you what we were arguing about because they were trying to figure out who was going to be the greatest. Who was going to be the most important? Who was going to get the corner office with the fancy business cards and the pretty secretary? Um, in fact, two of them, their mother had already come to Jesus and said, Hey, can I ask you a favor? Can, can you promise me that my two boys will sit on your right and left hand when you come to your kingdom? And here they are arguing. Who's going to be the most, who's going to be the head? Who's going to be the leader? And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. He said, okay, you want to know who, who's the greatest? Who's going to be the most important? It's the one that is the least. It's the one that you don't think. It's the servant. And he took a child and sat him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. He takes a child up and he's like, okay, let me give you an object lesson. This is what you've got to be. In one passage, he says, you have to become as a little child. Not a teenager. Not an adolescent. You have to become as a little child. And the same is the greatest in the kingdom of God. In our world, people seek power, prestige. I already mentioned that. People seek to be important. They want their name in lights. They want their name engraved in stone. They want people to notice them. That is what this world is after. I already mentioned people will spend a billion dollars for a job that they will not get anywhere near that much money in compensation in terms of salary. And I, I, I guess you could eat a half a billion dollars worth of food and get reimbursed for it, but I highly doubt that. It's because of the power that happens there. In our colleges, when you reach master's level, they actually teach master's level classes on how to be the boss. Really what it is, they give you classes on basically how to be a jerk. This is the truth. In business schools, they will teach you basically how to be a jerk, how to... Um, Treat your employees, their underlings, in such a way that they won't be a threat to you. They will fear you in the office area. They will do exactly what you say. And people pay money for people to get up and say, Oh, you want to be the, the best uh, office person you can be? Just hate everybody and get them to hate you and you'll be the best. That's our world's advice and that's our world's wisdom. 
Have people fear you. Have people hate you. Be hard-nosed about things. Be heavy-handed in your decisions. And you will be the greatest, at least in the aspect of the world. But Jesus says, my kingdom doesn't function that way. My kingdom doesn't operate that way. That's how the nations do it. He said, in my kingdom, if you want to look at who the greatest is, it's really simple. He said, the greatest in my kingdom is the one that you don't notice. The greatest in my kingdom is the person over there in the corner scrubbing the floor because the floor is dirty. The greatest in my kingdom is the person who doesn't have the fancy titles. It's the person that nobody notices at all. They just do whatever needs to be done. They are the one who is the servant of everybody. The servant of all in God's eyes is the greatest. Whoever the world overlooks, that is the one whom God says, that's my pick to be the greatest in my kingdom. The Bible is full of individuals whom uh, we perhaps don't even know their names. Everybody knows the name of Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. His mentor was the great prophet Elijah. We know Elisha. Elisha was the one that the mantle of Elijah fell on him when he was taken up to heaven. And Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah had done. He did receive a double portion. He brought two dead people back to life. He uh, fed a multitude with just a small meal. Um, we also perhaps know Elisha as the prophet that when the great captain of the host of Syria, Naaman, came to him with leprosy and said, Oh man of God, I was told you can heal me, sent his servant out and said, uh, My master says, go dip seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And Naaman got in a huff because, you know, he sent a servant out to tell him what to do. But in the pages of the Bible, that would have never happened had a small Israelite maid not went to her master's wife and said, Oh, I, I just wish he could go see the prophet Elisha because then he would be healed. We don't even know what her name is. In fact, it just says she was an Israelite maid. She was probably captured in a raid. We don't even know her name. And yet she changes the course of history. There's many individuals in the Bible who are unnamed and yet their story is recorded. Many people in this room perhaps may know the name of Billy Graham. He's considered one of the greatest if not the greatest evangelist of all time. Uh, preached to hundreds of millions of people uh, around the world in the United States, um, different countries. He went around the world and preached the gospel and said to more people than anybody other than perhaps the Apostle Paul. What some people know is he was led to Christ by a man by the name of Mordecai Ham, who also was an evangelist. And he was the one that preached in Billy Graham uh, accepted the call at one of his crusades. 
And Brother Littles, I looked it up. I, I, I wanted to make sure this. I looked it up. I looked up, at least in the realm of the Internet, I looked it up. Um, and all I can really find about Mordecai Ham is his father and grandfather were pastors. And he didn't want to do so. He saw that they were poor and he said, I want to, be, I want to have some money in my pocket. So he became a businessman. But I can't find the name of the person that convinced him to surrender to the call. I couldn't find it anywhere. Just, oh, he, he accepted the call to preach and he leads Billy Graham to preach the gospel. So somebody out there convinced a young man who was running from the call to accept the call of God who later would convince Billy Graham he needed to do the same thing. He needed to quit running and he needed to follow what God said himself. So I don't know who that person is, but that person didn't realize they were changing the course of history. You see, the greatest of all time, we call them goats. G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. The greatest of all time in the eyes of the world, tend to be bombastic. They tend to be, uh, they tend to have a flair about them. If I were uh, to mention baseball and ask you who is the greatest of all time in baseball, many people, um, it's very little debate to say perhaps the greatest of all time would be Babe Ruth, who played back in the 20s and the 30s. I mean, you know, the Bambino, uh, swatted many a home run out of Yankee Stadium. In fact, old Yankee Stadium, they called it the house that Ruth built because the Yankees couldn't have done what they did without Babe Ruth. So he's considered the greatest of all time. In um, the realm of hockey, if any hockey fans are in the room, perhaps if I mention the name Wayne Gretzky, he's considered a contender for the greatest of all time. If I were talking about basketball, depending on your generation, I'd either say Wilt Chamberlain or Michael Jordan, depending on which generation you're in, could be the greatest of all time. But they are flamboyant individuals. They sought the spotlight. They were bigger than the game itself. And that is perhaps what the world seeks. But today, I can tell you that if you want to be the greatest, the greatest in the kingdom of God sometimes is not in the spotlight. In fact, usually their names are never known. In fact, I haven't found much scripture to back this up, but I fully am persuaded that at the end when the prizes, the awards are handed out for those who have served God, in our world, um, whether it be in school or whether it be in other areas, we tend to start with the minimal awards and we save greatest to the very last. I'm almost feeling God flips that on its head and when it comes time for awards to be given out, he's going to award his greatest first. And perhaps he may say, well, you're rewarded. Here's your reward for waiting an extra 10 days. Before you made this decision, you had patience. And we're going to think, well, that's nothing at all. That's just it. Or here is your crown because you didn't punch that co-worker in the throat 
that you really wanted to. Instead, you prayed for them, and they, they're here with you now. Instead of you know taking matters into your own hands, you actually witnessed to them and, and brought them to God. And perhaps the way it's going to work on Judgment Day is all of the crowns will be given out first. Perhaps that's why the Bible says we will throw them at his feet. Because we're going to be looking for, well, I want the reward for what I did. Only to realize at the end that the things that I thought I did that were so important. He's going to say, well, actually, it wasn't important to me. It really wasn't important to me that you preached at a general conference and preached to thousands of people. That, that really, that, that wasn't important to me. It wasn't so important to me that you had this particular title. That really wasn't, it wasn't important to me. What was really important to me was the patience, the love that you showed. Oh, here's a crown because you saw that there was a nail sticking out somewhere at the church and you just went ahead and got it taken care of. And somebody didn't scratch their leg and cut themselves and have to leave service. And because they didn't do that, they came to the altar. I was able to touch them. So here's a prize for something you never even thought about. Because that's what he feels is important. Several years ago, I went to ACE training. And one of the paces that I did was called The Secret of Leadership. And in doing that pace, one of the lessons in it said, if you want to really know who the greatest in your church is, the author of the pace, uh, Dr. Howard, said, go and find the janitor. And go follow him as he goes to the closet. And he gets an old bucket out and fills it with water and gets an old stained up cloth. And he goes to the bathroom and he gets down and he washes the toilets off with that stained up cloth that he's been using for so many years and he said learn from him learn what his spirit is and then you can begin to find what the secret of true leadership is because most people they want a title. They want an office. They want the accolades. They want people to pat them on the back and tell them how good of a job they've done. In reality, the true secret of leadership are those who perhaps we never acknowledge at all. Perhaps the pastor gets up and he makes a blanket statement and says, thank you to everyone who was involved in this thing and well, you were involved, so you're a part of that blanket statement, but perhaps you're not singled out by name. You just simply did what the Lord wanted you to do. You simply did what had to be done, what needed to be done. Rest assured, although there was no record of it here, God keeps good records. And that was recorded in the spirit that it was done. And somewhere there's a book that says, oh yeah, they, they took part in this and they were humble about it. They, they just did it because it needed to be done. And there was nothing on earth done for them. And yet God says there's something waiting on that. 
In the book of Esther, we read about a man named Mordecai who learned about a plot against the king's life and warned the proper people and the plot was found out and the king Ahasuerus was spared. And the Bible makes mention that says nothing ever was done about it. In fact, it's several chapters later that the king can't sleep. So he decides, I know exactly what will put me to sleep. Bring the chronicles. Read the chronicles to me. I'll fall asleep really quick. And as they're reading the chronicles of everything that's happened in his reign, they mention this deal about Mordecai. And he's like, um, hey, 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 hold on a minute. What, 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 what did we do about that? And they said, well, nothing, King. It just mentions that he saved your life and that's it. And he ends up being promoted later on because of it. You see, the secret of leadership is simply being a servant. It's the opposite of what the world says. The world says, seek power and prestige. God says, seek to be the servant of all. Somebody who simply will see a need and fill it. When Ronald Reagan was president of the United States, and actually beforehand when he was governor of California, he had a plaque on his desk And the plaque simply said, there is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. The secret of leadership is simply to seek to be a servant. Perhaps your name will never be in lights down here. Perhaps you will never have public accolades. Perhaps you'll never make the headlines of the local newspaper Maybe you'll never make the news. Perhaps you will feel that everything that you did went unnoticed and perhaps sadly unappreciated. But Jesus said, that's the kind of person who is the greatest in my kingdom. Perhaps you will never have a physical human reward But rest assured, someday God will settle up the score. And the reward that he will give is much greater than any award or any accolade that can be given here. Let us seek to be servants. Serve one another. Love one another. And if we will do that, we will be the greatest in his kingdom.